She's the pushy broad from the Bronx, New York. Follow her voice, a straight dog is nice. She's the pushy broad from the Bronx, oh yeah. Don't be surprised if you want to listen twice. Make decisions, find the right choice. Know yourself better, find your own voice. It's okay if you need help today, because everybody needs a little push. From the pushy broad from the Bronx, New York. Welcome, Transformation Talk Network listeners. My name is Ellen Stewart, and I am the pushy broad from the Bronx. Welcome to my show, Recovery Recharged, with my illustrious co-host, Dr. Pat. How you doing, Doc? Um, you know what? I'm doing pretty good, uh, but this show is perfect. It comes at a, never, never a mistake. It comes at a perfect time in, you know, in the series of events that I think a lot of us are really experiencing and you're going to bring it to bear. You're going to really talk about something that one of one or the other, we either don't talk about or we talk about ad nausea. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? I understand. But first of all, I love so many things about this episode, starting with the title relationships that shape you, right? How many of those doc have we had? Oh my God. I right. I know. Unbelievable. Every relationship teaches us, and we know that to be true. But unfortunately, some of them could be unhealthy attachments. And those are the kinds of things we talk about today. In recovery, we understand that once we get clean and sober, the rest of our life has to change. And that means we have to take a serious look at the people that we're interacting with, who do we hold on to and who do we let go and how do we recover from unhealthy attachments? Yeah. So, hey, Ellen, one of the things we should point out right at the gate, we're not just talking about love relationships, although, you know, this may be the love month. We're talking, it could be anything from your boss to your family to your clients. And I think that that is important to make sure for today's show, you have an entire arsenal to pick from. Exactly. Exactly. You know, <laughs> your boss, your clients, your friends, your family, your pets, my God, whatever it is, oh. the television set, whatever it is, absolutely healthy and unhealthy attachments. So as always, we have an expert guest, someone, someone with us today on the panel that really talks about relationships and healthy and unhealthy attachments, and also talks about it from a personal point of view. So so let me introduce on Recovery Recharge this morning, a woman by the name of Kinga Jacob, who is following in our personal footsteps, Dr. Pat, and she is a podcaster and a recovery coach. And she works with people that want to change their relationship from substances and also from other people. She works one-on-one. -on -one. She hails from our country to the north. She hails from Canada. Her ambition in life is to be Oprah. And that's amazing. I found that hysterical, but really something to strive for. And she has been clean and sober by her own admission for over 10 years and worked in inpatient treatment for over seven years. Wow. I am so thrilled to have her with us today. Transformation Network listeners, say hi to Kinga Jacob. How are you, Kinga? Good morning. Hey, good to have you. Good to be here. Good to be seen and heard. Yes. Fantastic. Yes. 
All right, let's jump right in, okay? Tell us why unhealthy attachments are particularly an important topic for you personally. Tell us a little bit about the unhealthy attachments in your life. (laughs) A little about? Just a little. We have 58 minutes. Go. (laughs) You know, it's I'm 39 now, and only now do I actually have a... Uh, clearer perspective on what my attachments in my life actually look like. And it's, it's really like the big important people, right? Parents, romantic relationships, friendships, my part in friendships and hanging on to certain relationships. So um, there's a lot there's, I mean, I've had 39 glorious years. So there's been some time to really, really do some damage and learn a lot. I understand. So let's talk about the beginning of of unhealthy attachments. First of all, talk about how that happened in your life, an early unhealthy attachment, and what you mean by that. What's unhealthy in your eyes? So unhealthy in my eyes, if if I get to a point where my body is physically responding in a very like rejection negative way, it's been a long time for that unhealthy attachment. So paying attention to uh, my, you know, my nervous system, am I anxious constantly? Am I hypervigilant, right? And it, it gets tossed around, but am I having a trauma response to this person? Am I in fight, flight, freeze, or fawn? Um, that to me is like red flag warning bell. Yeah, yeah. Wow, look. What you just pointed out, correct me on this, Ellen. What you just pointed out is close to impossible to detect when you're using and drinking, right? Because like you're numbing everything. Like these people are like not even people. They're like not people. So they're not on your radar. But something, right, Ellen? Something happens. And then all of a sudden, you're in this world and the world looks different. And at first it's a little scary. No, it's a lot scary. Emotions show up, but you don't know what to do. You find that the people that you thought were your friends, you're looking at them differently. You're finding that, oh, wow. You know, how did I ever attend those family holidays, right? I mean, it's like the entire world opens up in front of you. Is that what you found? Kinga, is that what you found for yourself? Yeah, ab- absolutely. I, you can, you know, I got, I got clean and sober 10 years ago and the standard that I held for people in my life was still exactly the same. And it stayed the same for so many years, even I was married at the time, but after my divorce, the people that I had started dating were people I would have dated when I was 15, when I started using, you know, I do know. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I I understand from both of you. Look, what happens in, what happens with us and what happens with all of us is when we are actively using, everything is different. We have rose colored glasses on because the only thing we're concerned about is pleasing ourselves and doing the things to lead us to our next pleasure cruise, whatever that is, drinking, drugging, whatever it is. When the rose colored glasses come off, we do have to realize that there is more to 
our world than just drinking or drugging. But if we only think that sobriety just means not picking up a drink or a drug, that's when old school, we used to call ourselves dry drunk. Okay. A dry drunk means I am clean and sober, but I have done nothing to change my life. Nothing. But now we understand that recovery is more than that. And that means it, it touches every part of our life. So we begin to look around and assess everything. And that's exactly what Kinga has done. So let's talk a little bit, Kinga, about what you did in terms of the new responsibilities in your relationship. How did you make those initial changes? What did you let go of? Oh, my initial changes were came from a place where I was just going to fix my partner. So, right? That I works went, every time, doesn't it? Let's fix our partners. <laughs> it, it was hilarious because I feel like I sort of call it as like the internet turned on me. And every, every Google search I did on, you know, how to fix someone that's emotionally unavailable and has an avoidant attachment style. The internet was like, it's you, you're emotionally unavailable. You're picking this person, right? And every day I was picking this person. And so that sort of, once I sort of, once I swallowed that, um, you know, I started doing research on how to adjust my relationship with myself. Boy, it is really a journey. I know exactly what you mean, because even many, many years later, uh, I found myself in a situation and I, I called out to a woman who is now well known for her work on uh, narcissistic personality disorder types. And that's Melanie uh, Tanya Evans. And when she first started, it had to be about 10 years ago, and one of my exes showed up and needed help, right? That not that the case? Hello, you're the savior. You're going to really help. You couldn't help this person when you were in relationship, but you think you're going to do it now. And we learn so much through the lens of another person, Ellen, don't we? I mean, I don't know about you guys, but when you're by yourself and you're sitting here with your bottle or whatever, you're just sucking on that for like a lot of evenings really not connecting with anybody in the world. You don't know how to be in the world with other people. And then you get clean and sober, right, Ellen? You get clean and sober and you say to yourself, what am I doing? I don't know what to do. I don't know how to have a, know how to have a good time clean and sober. I don't know how to talk to another human being clean and sober. I don't know who I am. And, and most of the time, it takes a long time to kind of yeah. crawl back up there, right? Yeah. So Kenga, what would you tell your clients? I mean, what kind of responsibilities do you think you have to take now in relationships? How is it changing? And what would you advise? Um, to, and they hate me for this. They hate, <laughs> they hate it, but it's the truth. It's, you have to have a good relationship with yourself. And really I related so much to what you were saying, Ellen, about, I don't know how to exist in the world. Yay. I'm clean and sober, but I know for me, especially it was like, what do people do with all this spare time? Right. I didn't have hobbies. I didn't know myself. I didn't I didn't know how to do anything. And yes, I've got 10 years clean and sober, but it's really only in the last couple of years that I've become aware of who I am, who I want to be, what I want to do, what I want to do with my spare time. So I ask my clients, what 
do you do in your spare time? What do you do when you take off your mom hat and your employee hat and your spouse hat or whatever? Like, who are you? What are you, what are you doing all day? And they hate it. They hate it because you want the other person to act differently. Yes. And that also comes from the attachment theory because you don't devote any time to yourself. So you don't know what it is because you're always attaching yourself to something else and you're always trying to fix it. Doc, did you find that you were trying to fix your relationships when you were active and maybe even in early recovery? You know, um, I have to tell you, for me, early recovery uh, was a blessing. I did one of these things that, uh, what did they tell you not to do? Don't make any major decisions. Don't make yeah, any no major, major changes. Right. Yeah. But my, my recovery was such a drastic awakening. And I've shared this story before. I mean, I literally was a high paid executive for a company. There was nothing on the surface that was wrong with my life. You know, I had a sports car. I had a truck. I had a 4,000 square foot house on six acres. You know, I had the perfect partner. I mean, all of this, right? But then something snapped in me and I, I cannot tell you what it is. I don't remember it. It was like an alien took over my body and it led me on a path to recovery. I looked in the mirror one day and I was unrecognizable to myself. Everything started to change. I became a maverick in work. I refused to downsize people. It was one thing after the other. But what I discovered about this, and I'm so glad it was that, of course, it was abrupt because that's how I live my life. It wasn't going to be gentle. What am I thinking? What am I even trying to say here? <laughs> but, but the point is, for me, I did take action. I, I did know that I had to change. But then I packed up my stuff, my car my motorcycle, I put it on a U-Haul in December, drove across the past Jacob and Benny, like at the, in the end of December to Seattle. And I got, I, 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 this is what I did. Now, why am I telling you that? Because I left a lot of those people behind, except my best friend, Linda. And when I got to Seattle, I accidentally moved, lived in an apartment. My friend found me across the street from the Alano Club of Seattle, like 25 feet. So for me, this was the first time in my life I had ever been single, ever. And it's scary, but sometimes we have to do this abruptly. You're absolutely right. I put you know, an people... ad in the stranger. That was not, I was not going to sit there like that. Benny is probably laughing. I wouldn't like put an ad in like this local paper called the stranger. And you what'd you say? I'm, I'm here. I'm waiting. Come get me. What'd you say? My, my friend, my friend wrote something very poetic for me. It was like, so not me, but it was very poetic. <laughs> but it's the same idea, isn't it? Ladies? Yes, it's the it same is. Idea. It is. It's hard to flip overnight an entire lifetime of codependence, the opposite of codependence, girls behaving badly, understanding what the world looks like through sober eyes, and then not knowing what to do. I mean, isn't that why you both have clients? Exactly. But look, in your way and the way you did it, sometimes it's the exception. For me, it was 
it took me 20 years to decide that I was a dry drunk. Okay. My first 20 years, I was sober, but I was screwed up, completely screwed up. And Kinga, you mentioned something about this just now because you said you have a decade in sobriety, but it's only the last couple of years that you began to see that there's more to this. All right. There is a secret message here. And that's when we really try to work a step four. Okay. We take a really good look at our personal inventory. So talk to us a little bit about when you first learned about the fact that it was attachment theory was real and and how now you are a really working a relationship with yourself. Talk about that. Yeah. So yeah, about two and a half years ago. So at the time I was, you know, eight years sober and the caveat of that is the first five years of my sobriety, I was married. So I was in this like very safe bubble where I didn't really have to learn a lot about how I show up in relationships. And yet two and a half years ago, when I started reading about attachment theory, I had to look at my relationship with my parents, how their expectations of how I treated them as a child showed up in my romantic relationships, which is a really creepy, creepy way to think about the relationship I had with my parents. Explain that, okay? You said the correlation between parent and child, all right? Attachment means holding on to. And when we're in re- when we're in early recovery or we have an attachment problem, it's not only being codependent, but it's really almost a parasitical relationship because we are feeding on the other person. And all of our thoughts and all of our emotions are dependent upon what another person is doing. So talk to us about how that Carlets between parental relationships and love relationships. How did it work for you? Yeah. So for me, it was my, my house was absolute chaos all the time. Someone was always mad at someone. Someone was always mad at me. There was uh violence. There was just, there was just like a lot of anger. And I know now that I, I was always sort of in the middle of everything, trying to calm my parents down and trying to make them feel better, right? So a very, very young kid, um, really, really activated nervous system, just being like, just be okay, just be okay. And if, you know, if I can help in this moment, everything will be okay. Those are my first major attachments, right? My relationship with my mom, my relationship with my dad and watching their relationship. So as I get older, what am I expecting in my relationships? I have to work to keep it, to keep the relationship copacetic. I have to work to uh, earn your love and chaos is normal. If my central nervous system isn't activated, I'm bored. Wow. Can you relate to that, Dr. Pat? I want to follow up. I want to create a follow-up question because what she said was so beautifully said, so absolutely amazingly said, um, because I really want to talk about how that manifests in our lives today. And I want to put the caveat out there. I don't care how many years you have. We are all susceptible of this because what you just described, Kanga, was, you know, early development, childhood behavior. Those of us that were born in this world with active alcoholic parents or around them, you know, we we carry things with us. And it isn't until we meet up with, let's just call it a moment that we can learn from, usually in the form of another crazy person, okay? Just saying. Um, but that's when we learn. And here's what you said, though. We are like works in progress. So to be aware, like you just stated, being aware of 
those moments or those people or those, those things that show up. That is the trip because it is so easy. I found myself doing this. My, honestly, you might be talking to me about a situation right now. And I found myself in a situation where it's as if I was back trying to please, running faster to make everybody happy around people that basically are bullies, right? And I, I asked myself, I was, I was talking to Linda yesterday, wow, how wonderful it is we're doing this show with Ellen, because I started to look at this and this just popped up. But this is the next frontier for people in recovery. It's not, it, it's the thing we're not taught. Am I making sense? I mean, a 12 step program saved my life. I had a couple of great um, sponsors that stepped outside the program that helped me with life. Otherwise, I don't know that I'd be here. I don't know that I'd be here today right now. I understand. And that's why I went into this industry to begin with. And I try to pass that on to everybody that is starting out. Recovery encompasses everything. And you are not going to heal and you are not going to stay sober if you don't understand who you are, what you are about, and what you have learned in the past and what you have to let go. And that's where we begin to rework the steps in a whole new way. So we take it away a little bit from the actual physical substance or the process substance. And we talk about how we use these steps as guidelines for our life. There is no question. Kinga, you mentioned these early attachments and they were very painful for you, were they not? Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're still, they're still painful, especially the more aware I become, you know, and what, what are I, your relationships now? What are the relationships with your parents to date? I have toyed with no contact a lot over the years. It is not an option for me. So in the last couple of years, I've had to adjust my behavior and my expectations of my parents. And the adjustment is constant. Um, my mom has really made some noticeable changes lately. I, I don't know if she's in therapy, but it it is very indicative of like someone that is in therapy, but I don't think she is. Um, and I really appreciate her putting the work in to have a relationship with me. Whereas my entire life, it was always the other way around, which showed up in my relationship, my romantic relationships. I was always the one working and working. So I've really noticed her doing the work to keep a relationship with me. Um, My relationship with my dad, I'm not even sure how I would describe it. Um, Conversations are few and far between, but the conversations we have are okay. And how are you handling this now? What changes happen for you? Because we know we can't fix another human being. All we can do is change our reaction to those human beings. So how do you look upon them now? This is when my relationship with myself really comes handy. So for example, this Christmas, (laughs) I, you know, I knew I was spending a certain amount of days with my family, um, with my daughter. So I prepped both of us beforehand that if we need alone time, if we need to get out of a situation, 
we'll go, you know, into our bedroom and take that alone time. I know because I've studied myself that I need a lot of breaks. So I will honor this for myself Mm -hmm. and take a lot of breaks. Like it's, it was really, it's really that easy. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And speaking of breaks, we're going to go to one soon, but I want to talk to the doc about one thing because of what Kinga said. Sometimes we do have to change the way we look at things. All right, Dr. Pat, do you think that you have changed the way you look at certain things in your life, specifically your upbringing, your mom? Absolutely. Do you see her in a different light? Oh, absolutely. When you hear me talk about my mom, I almost talk about my first 19 years of life very humorously. I mean, it's my elevator speech, which I didn't realize it was. And it's my airplane speech. When I'm sitting on an airplane and somebody just can't get away with asking me one question beyond how are you, right? Or they see you working on a computer, you get into a dialogue. And my answer always is, well, if you really want to know about me, kind of started like this. I was born into this world with an active alcoholic and drug addict. So I cried for four years. Zambuca really solved the problem. By the time I was six, she did commit suicide. But then I was in Catholic boarding school, so I couldn't tell which was worse. At age 17, I found myself homeless on the streets of New York City, begging for money. I learned all about sales. I absolutely became an incredible salesperson. I learned that at Port Authority, you have to have two different baseball caps. You have to have one that represents the major team. And then there's that other team in Long Island. By the time I was 19, yep, girls behaving badly. I was arrested for something I didn't mean to do. My long hinged hippie jacket got caught on the gun of a policeman as he was searching my car. And I said, you know, I look back at that now, and that could actually be a great Saturday Night Live skit. See, yes, I do look at it differently because every moment of that and the healing that we put into ladies, right? I mean, don't even ask about the fourth steps around this. How many? Please. But I have no attachment. I love my mom, you know, my, my birth mom. But isn't this what we strive for, to be able to have a story? And 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 that was only 19 ladies. I, I can't even spend the rest of the time. But we learned how to do that. The difficulty is, and let's, and I think we should talk about this for people. The difficulty is when we don't realize that we still are the same people and we are still susceptible to some new trigger that shows up even after 32 years of sobriety, and it takes somebody else to point out, you're acting like crazy town right now, right? Because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about why you both do what you do, not to just help people get through the day, but to carve a beautiful life. It doesn't mean exes aren't going to show up in our dreams, right? Okay, everybody nod, right? They shut right. Who invited you? Like Alanis Morris said, please, you're uninvited. But they (laughs) show up. And every time something like that shows up, even right now, you know, with the situation um, uh, in my life, you know, as a business owner. It takes about six weeks for you to realize you're acting like you did codependently, fearfully accepting bullyingly people that you have learned to draw a boundary on and say no mas. That's why we're doing the show today, isn't it? 
Absolutely. And look, we we never claim to to say we've got it all. Okay. In recovery, we don't turn around and say, okay, I'm healed. I'm cured. It's never going to happen again. All right. That's just not going to happen. Look, but when we come back, what we're going to do is talk about how show we you my actually sobriety remedy. Oh my goodness. This is what my sobriety is remedy. I, I'm <laughs> going to tell you, I, I'm serious about this. This is a laughing dog. I give this dog to everyone I sponsor. I get them one because there are moments in the day where when you turn this thing on and you let him, her, it, she go. Take us to break with that dog. Turn him on. Benny, do I do it? Do I dare do it? Okay. Because if you're not smiling, you know, you got to really just think about a couple things in your life, right? Let's go to break. From the pushy broad from the Bronx, New York. Do you question what an authentic life really looks like? Tune in to The Alley Effect with Allison Blythe, authentically living life your way. Every first and third Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com where Allison Blythe brings you tools, resources, and actionable steps toward your very best life. Take responsibility for your own happiness. For more about Allison, visit Allison, A-L-L-Y-S-O-N, Blythe, B-L-Y-T-H-E.com. Are you looking for a way to break old habits that are holding you back from reaching your true potential and living the life you deserve? Well, look no further than Dr. Loretta Billups. She is a clinician and a relationship and mental health coach that will assist you with reaching your purpose. She will hold you accountable so that your desires are now a reality. Connect with Dr. B at cultivatingyourlife.com and find your path today. That's cultivatingyourlife.com. You are a brilliantly self-aware woman with a big heart and a cycle of dissatisfying relationships. Maybe you're drawn to a man who lights a fire in you but leaves you feeling amiss. Does that sound about right? My name is Love Coach Mariah and I help women navigate the rough waters of rocky relationship from push and pull to peace of mind. Learn more at lovecoachmariya.com. The first call is on me. Do you find that your world is filled with chaos that's always trying to bring you down? What if I told you that your goal should not be to get rid of that chaos, but to harness it and become your higher self with it? I'm Gina Libido, your transformational coach, and I'm here to guide you on your ascension journey and soul awakening. Learn to anchor cosmic Christ light during my one-on-one and group sessions. To find out more, go to soulinspired.org. That's soul-inspired.org. And be in body, in power, and in soul. Heaven on Earth, your online school of divinity, building your inner coach as you lay down your foundation in the new earth with you as the authority. Take action now. The number one challenge people face every day is the negative voice in their head. We work each day to turn negatives into positives. It's all a matter of perception. Our challenge at this time is to remain intensely positive and focused, creating the world we wish to live in. Wake up on purpose with Cornelia's daily online positive messages guiding us in the new paradigm. Raise yourself into happiness and inner peace daily. Elevate your personal frequency free from negativity and reprogram yourself step by step, shifting your energy patterns with positive repetition, daily building your new earth with someone you trust. All the heavy lifting has been done for you. 
Wake up happy with CorneliaStephanieVIP.com. Try free for seven days now. From the push it broad from the Bronx, New Welcome back, Transformation Network listeners. I'm Ellen Stewart. This is the Pushy Broad from the Bronx. This is my show, Recovery Recharged, with my wonderful co-host, Dr. Pat, and our guest panelist today, Kinga Jacob, and we are talking about unhealthy attachments. So I saw you I, try not to laugh, Kinga, when the dog came <laughs> on. I saw you try not to laugh, but then you just, you had to. You were so sweet. Absolutely. And really wonderful. No question. So we've talked about unhealthy attachments and how they start in early childhood and how they manifest themselves in all kinds of different relationships. So how do we change unhealthy attachments? Let's get some specifics here, Kinga. What was your breakthrough circumstance around the relationships and how did you redirect and redirect your focus and heal your brain slowly? Go ahead. Oh God, this, the unhealthiest attachment that I had is the one I had to myself. And I would constantly abandon myself to accommodate another person. And I, I mean, I was guilty of that up until actually really recently. So uh, what, what do I do? It's, it's, I journal a lot and uh, the therapist that I was working with at the time had me draw pictures of my little self and my current self and my future self, all sort of integrating and commingling and, and hanging out. And I often still, when I get anxious or fearful, I picture myself as a little, you know, little Kinga. And I, as a grown up person that has their life together, I talk to her and I say, I got this, you know, hop out of the driver's seat, get in the back. I'm driving. We're good. Inner child work works really, really well. Dr. Pat, has it worked for you? Uh, so First of all, I stuttered most of my teenage years. So talking was never my strong suit. Um, but listening was. You know, I'm very good at feedback. Even to this day, I live and breathe by what Linda observes in me. What You know what I'm saying? My close friends. But we all take that journey to figure out that the problem is me. Now, I will tell you this. I had a little help. I worked for a boss around 1987, 88, and I could never walk in her room without her saying, don't even open your mouth. Mary Louise Smith, I love you. I know you up there. She, I will walk in and I would start complaining because see, that's what we do really well, right? Don't we do that? We do complaining good. And I would walk in and I'd be like, oh my God. Da, 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 and she'd say, look up. Ha ha ha. What part of the problem are you? I heard that for 18 months every week until I got it. And I, it's a little harsh. I don't use it right away, especially with new people. But isn't that the question? What part yes, of the problem always. am I? 
Always. And look, we, we look when we do recovery coaching, we talk about and say, and I always talk to my clients and I tell them this, the first part of the problem is whether or not you are aware of the fact that there is a problem. All right. So awareness is always the key. And Kinga, you mentioned a very key word here. You said two words that I absolutely loved. You said you found that you were abandoning yourself. Okay. Abandoning ourselves. That means we lose ourselves. So as a recovery coach out there, I want to talk to people about some of the things that I do. Here it is. And and Kinga, I know you're doing it with your clients as well. There are two relationships in this world. There are relationships where you compromise and relationships where you sacrifice. Okay. Nobody on this planet should be sacrificing themselves for another human being. Okay. Unless it's a life or death situation, but nevertheless, you cannot sacrifice your identity to be in a relationship with another human being. You cannot, because eventually you will resent that person and you will not be yourself and you will really like Kinga says, abandon yourself and your identity. Relationships should be made of compromises because compromise means that part of what you want is there and you can be happy with that person because you are happy with yourself. So that's part of doing the inner child work. So is that the kind of advice that you would give your clients, Kinga? Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's like a false sense of safety to when someone stays with you and you've made all the sacrifices and you're doing all the work and, you know, there's a lot of resentments, but so what the person's still with me and I'm still in this relationship and everything feels okay because the person is here. And that, that is more of an illusion than anything, but I mean, we know the the three of us anyway, and possibly people listening is that I can exist in an unhealthy situation for a really, really long time. Well said. Yeah, I can do that. That's I'm good. And so it, it, it was, it's really difficult for me. It takes a really long time for me to, to see how unhealthy something actually is for me. Unbelievably correct. And that's what I get from everybody. I can't tell you how many clients say to me, I will stay in this terrible relationship until the kids are old enough to go to high school. I will stay or or out of high school and they'll go to college because I can do it. I'm that martyr. I'll be okay. I'll put my whole life aside so that I can protect or fix or not deal with stuff. Okay. Not when they're working with me, they won't. That will not happen. This is where you get the pushy broad, right, Dr. Pat? Well, I mean, it is something we learn. And, you know, what both of you have done is you have taken your art, you've taken your craft, and you put it into the practical realization that people need help and that you help them in each of your own way. And I think this is what the key is. Many people see the 12-step programs as a one-size-fits-all. They never were. Bill W. never did it like that. Um, As a matter of fact, nobody could keep track of what he was doing. And so when you think about those early days, that's what's needed today because we live in a different world. You see, we don't live in the world anymore where these guidelines were corrected. And I think COVID has given us an opportunity to change some things. This show, we would never be doing a show like this four years ago or so, right? I mean, this is a bold move. 
for the three of us to come out here and be talking about things that can help people. But today's show with you both, relationships are key. Why? Because resentment is the number one offender. And if you do not handle this resentment, regrets, and rejection, the three R's of relapse, look out. It comes That's why right you, back. This show is important. Even if you don't get every answer today, you have two people here that you can call. And let, can we make sure people know how to reach you both? Genga, where can we reach you? Uh, probably on my website, recoveringfromeverything.com. You can email me there, Kinga at recoveringfromeverything.com. And then I'm also very active on Instagram, recoveringfromeverything underscore Kinga, K-I-N-G. <laughs> and you have a podcast. Tell us about that. Yeah. I do have a podcast. <laughs> yes, which I, I mentioned to you, Ellen, I treat as sort of like my personal diary. So yeah. uh, there's a lot of tea there. I don't name names. But there's there's a lot of juicy stuff. But I uh, I release an episode every week, and because I'm a human that exists in the world, uh, something happens to me during the week that I now need to recover from. So uh, it's basically me processing that and sort of sorting out my own my own thoughts and having aha moments on air, and then I hit publish, and that's it. Oh my God, that's wonderful. And I love that. And one of the reasons why I was immediately attracted to you is because you really so honest about it, right? Dr. Pat, recovering from everything. Isn't that the truth? But it is the <laughs> truth. And, you know, and it's really so good that we're talking about it because, you know, the days of beating around the bush really have to be gone. We're living in such a fast paced world. I mean, you can dial a drug right now. Actually, I, I know somebody that actually bought that domain name, I think. Uh, I was shocked, but then I wasn't shocked dial a drug, right? I mean, this is the world we're living in right now. You know, online alcoholic sales during COVID, everybody thought, oh, what are we going to do? Oh my God, like 600%. You know, we have more people undiagnosed with alcoholism today right now than we have had in decades. That's why we have to address this. What is the why? What is the why underneath the cry? What is the why underneath that? What is that? Can't get it without what you two are talking about today. Exactly. Exactly. The drugs and the alcohol are symptoms. And that's exactly what Kinga is trying to bring to the surface today. And just what you said here, and especially about COVID and stuff, this past week, I dealt with two Narcan instant instances, okay? Two young people. And I'm telling you people out there, the fentanyl that's laced, in, that's been laced in all kinds of different situations, in Percocets and pills, in, in, um, in um, uh, heroin use, I urge you people, to really, really, really take care of yourself and make sure you have um, things that you're doing to protect yourself because yeah. this is a very real, yeah. real thing and get the help that you need. And one of those ways is to go to my website, Pushy Broad from the Bronx, go take 20 minutes with me or call me on the 800 number, 800-889-1757. I will give you the resources. I will get you to Kinga if you want to work with her, if you want to work with me, because it's time for you to change your life and really come into your own. Um, and you have to date yourself, right? You're not single. You're dating yourself. You have to date yourself. I'm too hard to date. I'm not even going to bother with that. <laughs> it's just like, I'm a, I'm a date from hell. Yeah. that Somebody said that to me when I first got sober. And I, I was like, oh my God. 
that is so horrible. I, I mean, because that's what we think about ourselves, don't we? We don't yes. think we're dateable. Yeah. I mean, maybe you two did because, okay. But Never. I, I didn't think I was dateable. I mean, Benny, I put an ad in The Stranger. You have to know what The Stranger is if you live in Seattle. But look, look at us now. You see, that's really the point of doing a show like this, isn't it? It's we're yeah, sharing we our can... strength, our inspiration, and our hope. But boy, tell me if I'm wrong. It takes work and effort. It takes successes and failures, doesn't it? That's why I'm sitting here with 37 years clean and sober, and King is sitting here with 10 years, and you're sitting here with what? Coming up on 32, 33? 33, coming up there on 33. There you go, 33. Yeah, nobody so, can believe it. So they were King looking of, for my obituary at my high school reunion. I hear you. <laughs> Preach, man. Preach. I get it. I real. I get it. I get it. So, Kinga, you have a child. I have and a you child. You're in a brand new profession. So, are you teaching good, healthy habits to your child about healthy attachments? Talk to us about that. Yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That was my. That's my number one, probably priority with her is to make her feel as comfortable as possible being who she is with me, which is really sweet. She's eight and a half. And so she, we're almost at a point where I'm like, this is too much information. And I sort of have to keep it together and be like, thank you so much for sharing. Um, identifying, feelings. <laughs> you know, all, all the, thank all you the, for so much for sharing and please stop talking now. <laughs> please stop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's really sweet. And, uh, and I just, I work hard to identify in a situation when it's my stuff, right? Kids are annoying. I have one and I don't want any more because they're kind of annoying. So um, is it just her being a regular kid, right? Or is it my old stuff coming up and right? Like obedience is like a big uh, trigger for me, I know, because, you know, when I was little, it was like, well, if you weren't getting, if you weren't obedient, you were getting yelled at, you were getting hit, right? You just, which I became really great at having a secret double life in my teenage years. But so if she's not obedient with me right now, I have to sort of be like, is this mine? Right? Is she just being a regular eight year old? Or so I have a really nice relationship with my daughter. I'm really, really, really proud of it. And, um, it keep it keeps me grounded. It keeps me, you know, paying my bills and having a roof over our heads and grocery shopping and all that stuff, which to be honest, I don't know if I would do for myself had I not been forced to. So right. How, you know why? Because we were so good at getting other people to do our stuff for us, weren't we? Absolutely. Oh, come absolutely. on. Come on, like true confessions, both of you. Oh, a hundred percent. I have my ex-husband literally paid all of our bills. I had no idea what our income was. He planned all of our, like he, he did the grocery shopping. He did everything. And, and it would really was the biggest blessing for me to come out of that. And I love my ex-husband. He's the best, but for me to come out of the marriage and have to do everything by myself for myself, yeah. best thing Ever. I know that Ever. is so funny. I'm a Jewish girl from the Bronx, and I always thought that I was a Jewish American princess because my motto was never do yourself what you can pay somebody else to do. Right. 
Honestly and truly. Okay. So yes, doc, you're laughing like that dog. I see you, but it's the truth. And I turned around and said, why do I have to do this? I can conjole somebody into it. I can give them drugs to do it. I can pay them to do it. I don't have to do it myself. And here it was. I was in, I was also in a situation between two marriages. I was traveling the world with famous people. I was all over the place, leading a life of the rich and famous and not paying a dime for it. And my first husband was a musician and there were drugs as fast as you can say, I want drugs. Okay, here, there they are. There it is. So everything was given to me. And then when it wasn't given to me, it was, oh my God, if I don't pay the bill, the lights don't come on. Wow. Right. Right. That's I, a like, real I like thing. the latest reality <laughs> for new people. This is the, this is the latest one that I, 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 I get on this right away with new sponsees. It's called your credit report. (laughs) I usually give them about six months before that comes up because we don't understand the consequences of our actions. And and I say that very kindly and gently. Yeah. This is a disease beyond anything we're talking about here. We're not talking, we are making light of some things. But we've come a long way from treating people and locking them up and putting them in a sane asylum like they tried to do with my mom. You know, we've come a long way. And yet we've come not so very long when it really comes to understanding the journey and the disease. But we're doing everything every single day. I'm in touch with treatment centers on a daily basis. I talk to therapists. I talk to clinicians. I talk to doctors about new medications, about brain mapping, about really including mental health and the healthy relationships into the picture so that we tr- so that we turn less and less to mood-altering substances to get what we want from that situation where we can find it in ourselves. Yeah. So- Kinga, talk to us a little bit. We have a few minutes left. Give us some major tips and talk to us a little bit about what you tell your clients and what you want to impart to us today. Oh, the question of what do you want? What do you want? Independent of whether or not how someone feels about you, whether or not you're accepted, what do you want? I know I made a I I made a lot of effort to get people to like me and accept me. And whether or not I liked them didn't really play a role in anything. So be with yourself. Draw pictures if you have to. That was helpful for me if you learned that way. Um what do you want? And the healthier you get, the wider the gap between you and people that aren't super great for you is going to get. And it's going to be more and more obvious until, you know, you've got a very small handful of people that are worthy to be in your bubble. Is that okay? Yes, but that is so true. (laughs) And sometimes it makes us feel very alone when that happens, doesn't it? Yeah, Yeah. helpless and hopeless. And I I really need to throw the hopeless part in. We didn't talk about it much, but the conundrum of relationships really can end up at a place of feeling so empty. And helpless is one word, but hopeless hopeless is really the killer. And I think you both know what I'm talking about. 
without what you two are talking about today with relationships, it's very hard to move the needle that surrounds us with helplessness and hopelessness. And I am not talking from a victim point of view. I'm talking from the point of view, when we get clean and sober, we have so many things to learn. It is like a giant roller coaster ride. It's like that space mountain ride at Disney, right? Where you're in the dark and you know you're going up and you can't see anything. And then all of a sudden you feel the gravity of the fall. Mm -hmm. That's why you both do what you do because people really do need to navigate these uncharted waters and they are. Yeah. And, there's a lot also, of, go ahead. I just was going to say, there's a lot of fear and fear is a really good uh, anchor. It can be a powerful motivator to move forward, but it also is a very, very heavy weight. And I think a lot of us can just get stuck with, well, I'm afraid. So I'm not, I'm not going to do it right. I'm afraid of what my life will be without this person. So I'm just going to stay in the discomfort and, and it's an emotion and it's very valid, but it, you know, fear is designed to keep you alive and like, that's it. So feel your fear and do it anyway. Well, that is always the case. And that's exactly why you go to a recovery coach like Kinga or myself, for sure. I mean, there is no question about that. And when you talk about helplessness and hopelessness, especially with the two near deaths that, that were experienced this week from Narcan situations, and thank God there was Narcan around, I always tell all of my clients, as long as you are alive, there is hope, period. That's all you have to worry about. I am alive. It gives me a chance to have another hopeful day. And that also goes out there to all the loved ones who deal with people that are in active addiction or even in early recovery. As long as they are alive, there is hope. And there are people like myself and Kinga and Dr. Pat who can sit here now and be hopeful and joyful and laugh about things because we did make it out alive. And that is enough to celebrate. So, Kinga, tell us again where we can find you and how we can touch. So, um, Instagram is is where I'm the most entertaining, I think. Um, so that's recovering from everything underscore Kinga. I've got a podcast also. Uh, you can't see my face because I'm normally in pajamas, so it's just my voice. Um, and that's recovering from everything. It's on Apple and Spotify. And then my website is recoveringfromeverything.com. And there's some stuff there, but you can email, email me also. Kinga at recoveringfromeverything.com. I'm sort of all over. I'm all over the place. Fantastic. Can you deal with yeah. virtual clients? You can deal with clients yeah. from all over the world, which is terrific. You can call my 800 number, 800-889-1757. As always, it's pushybroad from thebronx.com. I am here for you always. Sign up, talk to me. I'm here to help. Dr. Pat, why don't you talk and take us out? Um, thank you all for tuning us in, turning us on. As we promised, we are also the Transformation Network. And we're also Transformation Talk Network. There's so much coming from us and you heard a piece of it today. I wanna to thank both of you. You know, this is a path of boldness and of courage. And showing up and doing shows like this was really unheard of four or five years ago, but we're here and we're going to stay here. Why? Because of all of you. We know somebody out there is listening to this. It either affects you personally or you know someone. All we're asking you, pay it forward, pay it on, and please contact my two very special 
folks here today on the show and keep listening. Thank you both for everything you do. This is Ellen Stewart, the pushy broad from the Bronx, saying thanks for listening. And remember, everybody needs a little push. From the pushy broad from the Bronx, New 